You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Shotgun snap. Touchdown, Kansas City, Kadarius Tony Castellanos, high fly ball, way back, goodbye. I went online and kind of did a little surfing. What a freaking boost. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Friday. Sweet, sweet Friday. It is Halford, it is Bruff, it is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today, we also are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. It's out there. Just pass yonder. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them at everythingfinancial.com. And always, we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at Kintech.net. I wish that everybody was streaming the show on Sportsnet Plus. Mm. And we had a dog cam available because for maybe the first time in show history, everyone is dressed in all black. Yeah, yeah, we look like the sprockets. I don't know what's going on. That's a timely reference, huh? Another one. That old SNL. That's one of your newer ones. (laughs) I like to say that we're doing this for the Edmonton Oilers. Not just for Wednesday, but for what's going to happen on Saturday. Oh, yeah. I didn't ruin that, did I? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's talk about the show, shall we? we got a big show ahead on a Friday. What's happening on the program, you may be asking. Uh, 6.30, we're going to be joined by Brady Henderson, ESPN NFL Nation Seahawks insider. Brady is going to join us to talk about the big game on Sunday. It's the Seahawks going to Cincy to take on the Bengals. The Bengals are favored by three points, even though the Seattle Seahawks have won three games in a row and have looked real good since that second half in the opener against the Rams. What is Joe Burrow's status? Uh, He will play. He's like uh, the the gif you always use of the $6 million man, Peter Griffin, though. Oh, right. That's what he looks like. He's got a plunger for a foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got, they just put a watch in place of his, his missing eyeball. He's not in good shape, Joe Burrow, but he's a three-point favorite. We Sunday. have the technology, but I don't want to spend much money. I, I love that bit. Yeah. I just got to say it. It's a deep cracks cut. cracks me up every time. Deep cut for 6.03 in the morning. People are like, what are they talking about? Talking anyway. about the sprockets and this family guy from years ago. We like our pop culture references. Okay. Does, it, does, everyone, does everyone know? Do you know the sprockets? No. 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 Really? Yeah. Laddie, sprockets? No. I'm surprised oh, you God. don't know that. Okay. Nope. Mike All Myers, right. right? Saturday Night Live. I mean, I know. You, you, you know what I love too is like I'm a big I'll say that, guy from the '90s. And that was the time on Sprockets when we dance. And I and no. I see absolutely no curiosity from these guys to like Google it or well, I'm nothing. Working. We're working back here. L- That's it, part of L- Laddie working. is just staring at me. Yeah, Laddie's not working. <laughs> okay, 100% L- Laddie, not working. Some Laddie, of us yes. are working back. Laddie has a, a bit of drool coming out. Beginning of, of the show, the classic time where we have no work to do at all. Laddie and his <laughs> hair and your luscious hair just sitting there drooling. Okay, uh, six thirty. Brady Henderson, ESPN NFL Nation. We'll talk Seahawks with him. Would you like to touch my monkey? See, that's that's a Sprockets <laughs> reference. Oh, God, I hope so. I might yeah. get you in trouble. <laughs> Yeah. It's also an HR, HR violation. Line, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seven thirty. Bob. The speaking of HR violations, Bob the Moj Marjanovic is going to join us on the program. Uh, the BC Lions are taking on the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Laddie, the Tie Cats. Oski Wee Wee. Revenge game, apparently. Yeah. So the last time that they played the Tie Cats, one, we were in attendance for it. Two, it sucked. They were <laughs> awful. The BC Lions. So that's what you ask. No. It sucked. Even Hamilton fans were like, "Ooh, this is not great." I have to admit, a lot of the. Uh... See Lions tire for me. Well, that's that's going to be the majority yeah. of the the pointing direction for a lot of the questions I want to ask Moj. It's like, what are they playing for? Mm. How flat is this going to be? I think Moj said, I, I can say this because it's early in the morning and nobody's listening. When they lost to Hamilton last time, he said it was flatter than a plate of piss. <laughs> 
damn, that's flat. Yeah, and I yeah. thought about it. I'm Super like, that's flat. That's about as flat as it gets. Mm-hmm. Why did uh, you have to throw the piss in there? Can I don't you know. Said flatter than a plate. Like it well, is already flat. Yeah, that's a good point. How does the pee make it flatter? He yeah. likes to work a little blue. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> it did get the audience going. So uh, yeah, he well, said the word. Yeah, Moji's going to join us at 7.30 to talk about the Lions and the Ticats. We can do some NFL stuff with him as well. 8 o'clock, it's Rick Dollywall. I don't even set these up anymore because I have no idea where they're going to go. There, there are a lot of yelling involved. We get hung up on on a weekly basis. There's a text afterwards always about some angry thing. So anyway. Mo- Donnie chirping him in the background the whole hit. It's chaos, but uh, Rick is going to join us to talk about... The Canucks, what they did on Wednesday, what they're going to do on Saturday. Uh, they did make a move yesterday. We're calling Jets to Nika. We'll get into that and what happened. Finally, on the show today, it is Ask Us Anything Friday. Get yours in. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. You can literally ask us anything. Uh, we'll do that in the final half hour of the program. Working in reverse, 8 o'clock, Rick Dollywell is going to join us. 7.30, it's the Moj. 6.30, Brady Henderson. We have a ton to get into. So without further ado, Laddie. Let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Miss that? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. It was a day off for the Vancouver Canucks yesterday. A lot of people and pundits basking in the glow of that 8-1 destruction of the Edmonton Oilers on Wednesday night. But there was some news for the Vancouver Canucks yesterday. Uh, They announced that forward Jack Studnika has been recalled from the American Hockey League uh, under emergency conditions. The emergency is that they don't have enough players on the (laughs) roster. They only had 11 forwards in Wednesday night's game. Uh, I won't get into the machinations of it all. That's Drant stuff. But basically, given where they were in terms of health and salary cap, it opened up this availability for Studnika to be recalled until somebody gets healthy. Then he's got to right. go away and, again. And it doesn't affect their cap. Correct. Uh, and, of course, the Canucks are in this situation because Ilya Mikheyev, Teddy Bluger, Guillaume Brisebois, and Carson Soucy weren't able to face the Edmonton Oilers. Um, I imagine Stunik is going to play on Saturday against the Oilers. Maybe he'll be on a fourth line with Sam Lafferty. So... It's um it's been an awesome start for the Vancouver Canucks but they are they are facing some challenges um with injuries um with just getting enough bodies uh on the team and also they're going to face I assume a pretty angry Edmonton Oilers team a pretty embarrassed Edmonton Oilers team on Saturday on Hockey Night in Canada yeah. and this is to kick off a five game road trip so we were talking about this yesterday what are the expectations for this game? Um, and hopefully they could win it. Ima- <laughs> Im- Im- imagine. I can imagine. Imagine, I can if, imagine if they, they beat the Oilers in any fashion, really. Like, even if Demko has to steal a game or, or whatever, right? Um, first of all, can you imagine the reaction in Vancouver? But second of all, <laughs> Edmonton. Yeah, I know. I, well, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the Oilers to not just perform, but perform exceptionally well. I think to kind of show that nobody was okay with what happened. Mm -hmm. Like if they squeak out a victory, it's two points and yada, yada. But I think a lot of people are looking for a dominant performance because they got so thoroughly dominated. What I want is them to be ahead. The Oilers come back. Then they go to overtime. McDavid takes a penalty and the Canucks win. That, that would be, be nice. my ideal situation. I mean, I'll take any... Whatever sort. makes McDavid the angriest would be my ideal well, situation. Well, okay, so that was the other thing about all this, is we played the McDavid audio uh, on Thursday morning. It ha- So here's the thing. McDavid, in case you missed it, essentially chirped the Canucks and was not pleased about two things in the third period of that 8-1 game. One was that the Canucks, as he's pulled said, pulled Thatcher Demko to put in Casey to Smith. He was completely unaware, apparently at the time, that uh, Demko was sick and DeSmith mm. was coming in because Demko barfed in his mask. He was also upset because the Canucks put out their first power play unit when they were up 6-1. They scored a seventh. They scored an eight. It wasn't on the power play, but you get the idea. Rubbing the salt in. Those comments didn't play nationally as much as I thought that they might. One, because it's Connor McDavid talking and actually saying something remotely interesting for a change. And two, 
it would set up a grudge match, primetime, mm-hmm. Hockey Night in Canada, Saturday night. So oh, why, why, do you, why don't you think it got a lot of pub? Uh, probably because, well, one, they happened at a really weird time. It was basically 11 o'clock our time at night, 2 o'clock in the morning Eastern. And then uh, the morning after, I just think a lot of people didn't digest it in real time. The other part is maybe I guess maybe I'm overacting to it. Maybe mm-hmm. I th- I thought it was more interesting than. Well, it was. I think I'm his comments sure. about Demko are meaningless because he didn't know that Demko was sick. Or did he know? Yeah. Who or maybe knows? he did. I don't know. Who knows? But um, you know, regardless of whether the national media caught it, who cares really? Like we know what the storyline is going in on Saturday. Um, I imagine, I don't know what the betting lines are for this game, but I imagine the Edmonton Oilers are heavy, heavy favorites Mm -hmm. because one game isn't going to change a narrative that the Canucks are going to be the team that, you know, is just trying to squeak into the playoffs this season while the Edmonton Oilers are trying to win a Stanley Cup. Mm -hmm. One game doesn't change that. And in fact, (laughs) the type of game it was might make it even more likely that the Edmonton Oilers are going to be all guns firing on Saturday night. Uh, Oilers minus 190 on the money line. Uh, that's not, Canucks that's, plus 157. Yeah, that's not much. Actually. Ah, Vegas saw Wednesday yeah. night. They're like, this Oilers team with the goalies, they're no good. That's also going to be a storyline going into to Saturday night as well with the Edmonton Oilers goaltending. Okay, let's get into what actually happened yesterday. I do kind of want to whip around the National Hockey League real quick because there was a ton of games yesterday. So Thursday, sorry, Wednesday was essentially Canada night in the NHL. All the Canadian teams got to make their season debuts. The Canucks played. We talked about that a lot, and then we ran through a bunch of other ones. So last night, uh, two kind of jumped out to me. The Rangers played the Sabres. Not necessarily a game I get too excited about, but there's a few different storylines here. One, Peter Laviolette wins in his debut as Rangers head coach. I'm not going to lie. For a while there, I totally forgot that they hired Peter Laviolette because it was so (laughs) underwhelming. A higher, but they get the win 5-1. I think more interestingly, it's that Buffalo lost 5-1. Oh, badly. And yeah. home. And, at yeah. home. and I kind of wonder if this is a storyline that's gonna we're going to pick up and follow throughout the year because I think a lot of people haven't necessarily crowned Buffalo as being a new playoff team, but I saw a lot of people say this is the team that's finally going to make the jump from loser non-playoff status to a playoff team. And obviously given what the Canucks are doing, trying to get into the playoffs, having missed, and our symmetry with our SAG club brethren in Buffalo, uh, it's definitely a team to watch this year. Well, not a good start for Devin Levi in goal for the Buffalo Sabres. He allowed four goals um, on 30 shots, and then, believe it or not, the Buffalo Sabres pulled the goalie, and Jacob Truba added an empty netter with a minute and a half to make it 5-1. I'm sure the Edmonton, uh, the Edmonton Oilers is kind of similar there. I'm sure the Buffalo Sabres wanted to come out on home ice and have a much more impactful performance than that. Yeah. And, and I think, well, and, and like there, so if you think about the teams that are trying to break through this year, um, the Canucks are one of them. And they had a great performance in game one. Mm -hmm. The Ottawa Senators are another one. Uh, They had a tough assignment, a very tough assignment. They had to go into Carolina. And I don't think it was a disastrous performance for the Ottawa Senators, but they did lose to Carolina. Uh, And then you've got teams like the Buffalo Sabres and the Detroit Red Wings. And Buffalo, probably by far, this was the worst performance of all those teams trying to break in and trying to have that, like, this is our time, we can do this, and then they lose 5-1 to to the Rangers. And uh, uh, also worth noting in that game, the Rangers' first goal scorer, Alexis Lafreniere. Yeah, he got the big media scrum afterwards because a lot of people wanted to talk to him about what might be a finally coming-of-age turnaround season. Yes, Bit of a tap-in goal, though, wasn't it? He'll take it at this point. Bit of a juicy rebound from Levi, and uh, how, what did you? I don't know how much you watched of it, but did you get to see Levi? Because I know you're you're somewhat invested in what his career trajectory. Yeah, right? the, the, yeah, there was a lot going on yesterday, but I did catch the first period of that one, and mm-hmm. he looked a little jittery. He didn't look like he was uh, fully locked in quite yet. So, if you want to talk about disappointing home openers. Just consider that for Buffalo. They had a very emotional pregame thing for Rick Jenneret, obviously, because mm-hmm. he passed away during the offseason. They also came in, um, and I know you can't get momentum from a contract signing, but they were talking about getting momentum from having all these guys signed, right? In the last two days, they got Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin done. This follows where they've lost, like I, I joked yesterday, 
Buffalo is like the you go out on a first date and it goes pretty well, and then you come back with a ring. And you're like, let's just get married. Let's just do it. I've seen enough. I've seen all I need to see. I don't think it was probably like a good sign that when um, Owen Power signed that contract, he finished his signature and went, suckers. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I got you now. You owe me $58.45 million. So Owen Power, seven years. And then deal. Rasmus Dahlin was like, did you sucker them too? Oh, yeah. my God. This team is so dumb. But Rasmus Dahlin was like, I got an extra year out of them. How do you think of that? He got an eight-year deal. Right. Dylan Cousins, Matias. Because they went all in, and they're like, this is it. It's go time. We're locking in everyone. We love all you guys. Now all they got to do is make the playoffs, and Mm -hmm. we'll see if that happens. Speaking of teams that may or may not make the playoffs, going into this year when we were looking at the Pacific Division, we said, what teams will the Canucks likely be battling with for a playoff spot? And we kind of said, probably not Vegas. Vegas will probably be in. Yeah, probably not Edmonton. They'll probably be in. I was almost ready to grant the Los Angeles Kings a spot in that top three as well. And whatever, just for the purposes of this conversation, a lot of us looked at Seattle said, hey, are the Kraken maybe due for a bit of a regression? Was Mm -hmm. last year maybe a little bit of a fluke? Could they come back to the pack? Early days, very early days, but it has not been a good start to the season for the Seattle Kraken. They lost their second game of two to start the season last night, a 3-0 shutout in Nashville. Now, I should mention they had to go to Vegas and they had to go to Nashville. That's a tough trip. But uh, one goal in two games for the Kraken. UC Saros, 23 saves in a uh, 3-0 win yesterday. And now I'm looking at this and I'm saying, okay, trends to follow for this Kraken team. They were never built to be an offensive machine. They just lost Brandon Tanev to an injury. He got hurt against Vegas. Didn't play last night. That looked really bad. Yeah, it didn't look good. Did not look good. I don't know how long he's out for. Right now they're just saying an undisclosed lower body. But is this going to be a team that maybe struggles to find the back of the net? Could that be the Achilles heel? Well, on year? paper, you always look at this Kraken team and say, who's their best player? And is that best player even close to the typical best player on an NHL team? Mm-hmm. So who who is who is the best player on on the Kraken? Is it Jared McCann? Right? Is it Matty Beneers? Maybe Matty Beneers. I'd say Beneers, yeah. Yeah. But Beneers isn't the best player right now. He's going to be their best player, I would imagine. I think I don't think we need to actually Vince like done? I don't think we actually need to debate this, no, the right? Like, stands. like who would you rather have on your team? Right now, Elias Pettersson or Matty Beneers? Elias Pettersson. I mean, obviously, you'd want Elias Pettersson. The strength of the Kraken has always been their depth. And this is the strength of every expansion team, or the last two, in this current era where the expansion rules are what they are. You're never going to get, well, I guess Vegas got kind of a couple, but you're never going to get like a superstar. No. You're going to get a bunch but, of good players. But you can get some good players that might be underappreciated in their old teams, mm-hmm. right? And if you think about Vegas, how they started out, William Carlson comes from Columbus where he wasn't really appreciated and he didn't get a lot of time. And I think Torts was the coach then. He was. And then he comes to Vegas and he just he's in a new role um, and he finds something there. Um, I don't know. Have there been many players like that in Edmonton where it's happened like that, where they've kind of taken, I guess, McCann? Seattle, you mean? Not yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry, Seattle. Seattle. Yeah, okay. Seattle. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. McCann, for sure. Yeah. Um, Tanev's turned into a nice player, but not a super- But he's the same sort of player he was, yeah, he just right? got a, he's just got a more elevated role. Yeah, yeah. No, like, when they, when they did he's it- He's a fan favorite there, and, you, you know. When they did it last year, I remember thinking, like, it was kind of like that Minnesota Wild team that the Canucks played in the bubble, where you looked at their roster, and you're like, they don't have- a top line, but they they basically have three good third lines, yeah. and and, th- and that's valuable. Like you sure. shouldn't just be like, well, you know, like look at look at what the Canucks have had to go through in the last few years with their bottom six. If you can yeah. get three or even four lines where you have legit NHL players on all those lines, like you can have a good team because you can create matchups that that are favorable to you and. The other thing I think you can do when you're picking an expansion team is you can pick the type of players that you want, Yeah. right? You can say, okay, do we want to go with a fast team, right? And I think that's an advantage that if you look at Vegas, uh, especially in their first form, and Seattle, Financial. they were at their best last year, they would come at you in waves, mm-hmm. right? And, te- and the Canucks have had trouble with teams. 
waves. We can't handle four waves. Yeah. Okay, I want to get to the Major League Baseball story because the Philadelphia Phillies did what nobody thought was possible this postseason. That was beat the Atlanta Braves. And they did so with a 3-1 victory in Game 4 on Thursday night thanks to a couple of Nick Castellano jacks. Here's the final out. It was a check swing at the plate. Confirmed it was actually pretty good drama and good theater with regards to the call. Here are the Phillies going to the NLCS. And did he go? He did! It's over! The Philadelphia Phillies are headed back to the National League Championship Series! That was Matt Strom striking out Vaughn Grissom. The, the Braves are going to be kicking themselves all offseason because while the, the Phillies deserved the win and were full credit for it, Atlanta had countless chances, including last night, with the bases loaded in the seventh, two runners on with nobody out in the ninth, and they couldn't get the runs across. Full marks to the Phillies. That crowd looks electric. That city looks amazing right now. Mm-hmm. It is a lot of fun. I don't know if you saw the post celebrations when they were doing the champagne and everything, but a couple guys got shirts made yeah. that said Attaboy Harper on the front. I'm like, they, they've got a vibe about them right Did now. Did you see the post-game interview between Nick Castellanos and I think it was uh, Matt Weiner of Turner Sports? Our boy uh, Laddie's got the audio. It was incredibly awkward uh, because uh, Matt Weiner gave a, gave a Mike Halford um, non-question oh, in his first this. question. So, so like this is like he 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 stated facts instead of asking a question. And for once in sports history, uh, the athlete um, called him out on it. Nick, nobody in Major League history has hit two home runs on back-to-back postseason games, but you just did, and you guys are headed to the NLCS. Where's the question in that? There's no question. Okay, thank you for telling me. I, I thought you'd be happy with that. Uh, I am, man, but we got eight more wins. Hey, the cringe. And then it, it, like, it went on, and it got in some ways more awkward because it kept on he, he kept on giving just like two or three word answers, and the questions were like pretty bad because I think poor Matt Weiner of Turner Sports was starting to panic because yeah. he had a certain amount of time that he had to fill, and yeah. like, Castellanos wasn't wasn't playing ball with him, and so all the questions were like, "How good does it feel?" And he's like, "Good, yep. yeah." And how good. excited are you? There's another excited. Castellanos yeah. interview. He he, yes. he kept this going. He kept the ball rolling. Went on MLB Network. I don't know if you saw this interview, bro. No. Listen to this clip. Different markets and different teams. I don't know why you and Philadelphia works. It's the best fit. Would you agree with me? You're asking me? Yeah. You in Philly is the best fit. Nick Castellanos always needed to play for the Philadelphia Phillies. Am I on to something? I mean, yeah, I go Philly. <laughs> <laughs> He's just doing this intentionally now, right? Like, they're all having fun, right? Like, that's... Uh, he said the word there. I, I cut it out, obviously, but uh, live TV, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's what he does. It's he was also the one... I think he's... He's had a really weird relationship with the media this series because he was the one. Was it in game one when he flipped the, the ring finger? He, he got to second base and then he flipped the ring finger right. to his bench and started pointing to it. And then everyone, everyone and fair enough, everyone <laughs> kind of misconstrued it as him giving the middle finger to his bench. So I pity the poor, poor reporter who asked him. He's like, Nick, did you? Was that that was your ring finger? And he's like, Yeah, of course it was. Why would I flip off my own bench? And then there was this two minutes of awkwardness that followed because everyone realized what a dumb moment it was. So, so in terms of fans, yes. baseball fans, can you remember a better crowd than this Phillies crowd? Uh I'm you know, it's it's electric. It really is. It's it's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they've got new supersonic mics on the field, but they have so many different um sound clips from the stadium when the because they're hitting homers like crazy yeah that's the big thing is this phillies lineup is built to go yard and there's something about the way that they generate offense because you've you've all heard the anticipation of a pitch coming in and everyone gets quiet and then it's this huge crack and then the crowd goes nuts and it's it's almost like 
the the Phillies have the understand the moment moments of drama. Like mm-hmm. Castellanos going yard yesterday, the place just exploded. That was incredible. Right? Yeah. yeah, and I know that the analytics in baseball have leaned more towards hey, go up there and try and go yard. Mm-hmm. Like that's the ad more advantageous swing. But Philly really leans into it from a a guttural emotional standpoint because the crowd feeds off it. So, so none of the teams in the final four are uh, hundred win teams. All the hundred win teams, Atlanta. Um, the Dodgers, Dodgers and the Orioles and the Tampa Bay Rays nearly got there. I think they had ninety nine. They're all they're all out. Yep, it's bad. And so the so <laughs> I know, I know we got to get going, but no, it's bad. But I think it's great. Well, uh, like I, I disagree. I don't love the matchups. Like I, I I disagree. I think I think having underdogs win is good as long as I mean I don't want to see it every year. But I think it's great this year. The only team that I like of the Final Four is the Phillies. Like, I have no interest. I apologize to the, all the diehard Diamondbacks fans. The Texas the, Rangers are in the sad club, but I don't care about the Texas Two Rangers. Two Texas though. teams, though? Like, oh. Well, I want them Houston. Like, the last uh, team I want to yeah. see do anything. I wanted to see the Braves, at the very least, push that to a game five. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see the Dodgers beat the Diamondbacks, right? The AL, like the, everyone's like, oh, it's the Battle of Texas. And I want to like, see oh. the Phillies just for their fan reaction. That's yeah. worth it just for so, that. Someone was like, oh, but the Battle of Texas. And I'm like... The Astros and Rangers have no history yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. They've never played each other in the playoffs. They don't care about one another. Yeah, There's I've no seen, rivalry. I've seen the Battle of Texas. It's like college football every Saturday. <laughs> they do it better right? in other yeah. sports. Like, yeah. I don't need this. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. Um, this is from Brad in ND. Where's that? Probably North Delta. North Delta. Okay. I was like, North Dakota? No. Notre Dame? Ask us anything. Would you swap the Canucks' entire roster for the Buffalo Sabres' entire roster right now? That would mean Buffalo would even get the OEL buyout, but the Canucks wouldn't have Demko, for example. You're flipping places entirely. Okay, so you're completely switching... Some sort of Freaky Friday. All the assets that and liabilities that the Sabres have. Yes, everything. Okay, so these ones are really hard... To for me to do because like you do have personal attachments to the players on the Canucks. Like I have a personal fandom of, for example, Quinn Hughes. Like I, I love Quinn Hughes. I love, I love you. Okay, but <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, but I think if you're asking who has the better chance to win the Stanley Cup over the next five years, it is the Buffalo Sabers and is the Buffalo Sabers by a fairly wide margin because what really some people won't get or won't know, is that the Buffalo Sabres have one of the best prospect groups in the NHL. And it's not just Benson. They have some really good players coming. They have two two good young defensemen locked up in Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power. Uh, and they don't have... I don't think they have a player of Petey's caliber, but if things don't go right, the Canucks might not have a player of Petey's caliber next season. I, I would get t- it. I would take okay, it. look. So, like, what? But, 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 honestly, who has the best chance? It, it, that's the question that I'm going with. Who has the best chance of winning a Stanley Cup over the next five years, as currently constructed? I will take the Sabers. The Sabers have more good players currently, and have also more depth. Like, I don't know, think they, they have more good players currently. I think yeah, they have I'd more so. potentially good players. They I don't know. Their, their young look, core is pretty impressive, and they're all locked up. And goalies you can find. Right. Goalies you can find. And, and Devin a, Levi, like, yeah, he had a bad game yesterday, but he's still probably going to be a pretty good goalie. Goalies you can find, except you can't. Right? How many teams have tried to find goalies and haven't and have had it completely implode on them? Also, I respect the fact that they're taking long-term speculative bets on young guys and just assuming that it's going to pan out based on very small sample sizes. I get it. You have to do it sometimes. And when you stockpile this talent, there's a certain part where you have to keep the talent. So I get all of it. But they have made a lot of long-term bets on guys that, look, a lot of them are not proven at the NHL level. Some are, for sure. But some aren't. And they're taking long-term speculation bets on them. That's fine. It's a philosophical approach. It's the way that they want to conduct their business. And I get it. It Mm -hmm. makes sense. Because those deals, ideally, pay off in years three, four, and five. When the guys blow up in the NHL and they're making There's less than market huge value. upside potential when you make these bets. Mm-hmm. Is there downside potential? Yeah, there is. But there's huge upside potential. If you get these guys locked up long-term and 
they hit. Mm-hmm. And that's a big if, right? And they hit. Then you have the potential to add yet another impact player on top of that in free agency. For example, remember when the Chicago Blackhawks, a long time ago, were able to add Marion Hosa? Mm-hmm. That's the type of thing that you can do mm-hmm. when you make good bets on your young players. They have to pan out, yes, but they have to pan out anyway for you to be a Stanley Cup contender. I, don't get me wrong. I don't want to. So, have who this- would you take? If you're talking about like take, this is take, actually a really difficult. One. Take take. I don't think it's. I, I actually don't think it's that hard. I think the Buffalo Sabers are much better set up over the next you, five years. Can you agreed? Really? Yeah, I would pick the Sabers for sure. Okay, who who's doing it for you? I get Darlene and I get power for sure. Well, like the, your I, argument against being like the are you the, are the you risk a, are of? You I'm a big Dylan Cousins fan. I think he's a good player. <laughs> right, but he hasn't done anything yet. Well, he's only 22. Give him a break. But there's lots of. I mean, we've been. Well, you're saying Cage Thompson has already done something. He's only 25, and a lot of people are thinking that he could win like the Rocket Bouchard Trophy this year. The long-term speculative bets thing that you're saying. Alex Tuck is a good player as a risk is also a reward if you look at it the other way. Which no, I know. Which is why I would pick them. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, what what have the Canucks proven that you'd you know like what? No, no, no. It's a, it's a, they had a good first game. Just listen to me. It's the. Pedersen has proven that he can put up 100 points in an NHL season because he did it. Yeah, yeah. Hughes has proven that he's mm-hmm. one of the top four or five defensemen. Well, so is Darlene. done it, right? Darlene and Hughes. Darlene, look at Darlene's. Darlene's had one really good year in the NHL. Darlene's I'm not legit, saying, man. He's he might yeah, very well be. Darlene and Hughes he might are very well be. Me. He might very well be. But if you were to ask me who I'd take right now, mm. I'd take Quinn Hughes over Rasmus Darlene. Okay. All right. What about all? Because the pros- I love my team, and I'm not a jerk. <laughs> what about all the prospects that the Sabers have, and, those great, and the-, the great contracts? Yeah, the great contracts. Yeah, you know what happens when a great contract doesn't go in the right direction? You're too risk averse. Yeah, I just like the safe. You know what I love? Not a gamble, the most, man. Though? The Canucks. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. <laughs> It's time for Rick Dollywall. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Rick Dollywall. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Rick Dollywall. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Rick Dollywall. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Dolly. Rick Dollywall. It's time for Rick Dollywall. Rick Dollywall. 804 on a Friday. Sweet, sweet Friday. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. As the music suggests, Rick Dollywall will be joining us in a moment here. Kick off hour three. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. And we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics providers, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at Kintech.net. To the phone lines we go. Our Canucks expert here on the Halford and Bruff Show, Rick Dollywall from the Donnie and Dolly Show, Check TV, joins us now. What up, Rick? How are you? Couldn't be better. Always a pleasure. Um... I want to talk uh, quickly about Devon Taves, the Abbotsford kids. Yeah, um, buddy. El- Elliot just said progress. I got a little bit more on this. Uh, I'm talking to uh, his agent right now, Ross Gurney, who you guys know well. Um, look, he's staying in Colorado. He would have been a sought-after UFA on July 1st. Given that he's 30 years old next year, term was the most difficult thing to cross the hurdle in this negotiation, okay, guys? Because he's 30 and, and the Avalanche really didn't want to give him eight years, right? To stay with a Stanley Cup contender in Colorado would mean he would have to take less on his AVV. So I am hearing that it is going to be six or seven years for Devon Taves to re-sign with Colorado. Uh, just a wonderful story, guys. And this guy was a fourth rounder. You know, he went to three years university, three years in the American League. You know, he didn't get to the NHL until he was 24, 25. You know, they say the word patience in hockey. You even hear it in Adam and Pee Wee, but no one's got patience. Everybody wants to see uh, the end result today, but there is not a more wonderful story than Devon Taves on patience and just going along and developing at his own rate. I expect the number uh, to be obviously 
in the six seven million range um it, it he's going to get a nice bump from his four term was the reason they did, couldn't do it earlier but uh it looks like a six or seven year for devon uh six or seven year deal guys i'm going i'm going to guess in the seven million range uh for a local kid who no one ever talks about but this guy is a you know he gets to play with kale mccarr well hey, he's good enough to play with kale mccarr but it's it's a wonderful story guys well, you say uh, they don't talk about Devontae's very much. They do talk about him uh, on Long Island because that's considered one of Lou Lamorello's worst trades, was moving yeah, him a- for just a couple of picks, if I'm not mistaken. And Colorado gets a linchpin to their defense for, God, it's going to be seven or eight years by the time it's all said and done. Yeah, but Mike Lou had no choice. They were up against the cap, and he was getting a bump to the four million range. And they tried to stay in call uh, in New York, but it was a cap-related move, and they didn't want to get rid of him. They just did not. But he had put himself in a position to get a nice raise out of his entry-level deal, and he went up to four million. It's just a wonderful story, but it's uh, it's going to happen soon, guys. Six, seven-year deal uh, for Devon Taves. Just a great kid out of Abbotsford, and uh, couldn't be happier for this guy. So the uh, Avs will have um, Kale McCarr locked up long-term. They'll have Taves locked up long-term. Probably an interesting one to watch going forward is going to be Bowen Byram because they gave him the two-year bridge deal. So they don't have to figure this out for a couple of years, but this guy, with his potential, if he can stay healthy, and I really hope he can stay healthy, He's gonna. He's probably gonna force some tough decisions when he is ready to sign his long-term contract. Oh, you're bang on, and he's going to be one of these guys that is going to get one heck of a deal. The next one, Boom Byram, and you saw what he did in Vancouver. You, you saw uh, what he. You know, he's already won a Stanley Cup. It's on his resume. Um, you're right, though. They and they all got they got a couple of other guys. Uh, uh, Bruff that are up to that are going to be pretty significant. You know, in a perfect world, I think Devon Taves uh, would have liked an eight-year deal, mm-hmm. but you can't do that in Colorado. They, because of his age, they were really concerned. Gurney had to fight hard on the term, and they got uh, not only Bowen Barham, but I got to double check. They got some forwards that are in for some big raises as well. So uh, good on him, and uh, the Avalanche are getting one heck of a kid here for another six, seven years. Uh, Rick, so Connor Garland, not as much heat on him right now because he scored first goal in the uh, Canucks 8-1 destruction of the Edmonton Oilers. I still can't believe that happened, but it did. Um, Is there any update or clarification on the Connor Garland situation? So here's what I want to say on Garland. Both sides continue to work the phones, the Canucks and Garland's a a new agent, Judd Muldaver. Muldaver knows this is a, a contract with term. It's a capped out NHL. It's not going to be easy. Now, the agent is going to need help from the Canucks. Retaining on Garland or adding a sweetener, that's what teams want. Teams think that Garland's a $3 million player, not $5 million. That's why the Canucks have not been able to move him for over a year. Now, if the Canucks can somehow retain 30% or $1.5 million, that makes the agent's job easier. That's what I'm hearing is 1.5. If the Canucks could get to that number, it's going to be uh, a little bit easier to move Garland. There are teams interested. I'm here in Nashville. Someone told me Winnipeg, others as well. So the good thing for the Canucks, there is interest in this player, but unfortunately not at 4.9 million. And by the way, guys, this was not a trade request. Both sides are working together to see if they can make this happen. The timing wasn't great um, the day before the regular season, but this happened this way because this is the week he uh, elected to change agents. He left his old agent, Peter Cooney. Now, I want to tell you guys a story about player-agent relationships. Garland's old agent Cooney got a call in 2012 to go see a 16-year-old Garland in Moncton. Nobody was interested in him. He wasn't, he wasn't highly regarded. He had no agents at the time that wanted him at all. Cooney makes a 14-hour trip to go see Garland. First period, Garland coughs up the puck. The other team scores. He never saw the ice again in that game. Cooney still stuck around, watched him some more, signed him up, and up till this week, they were together for 12 years. When a player leaves an agent, the word loyalty always comes up. Where is the loyalty? I talked with some veteran agents this week who were not impressed with Garland leaving Cooney after a relationship that long, and especially after the contract that he got him. But players have their reasons as well. 
Agents put an incredible amount of time into players. They have to deal with parents, coaches, GMs, and owners in the whole nine yards. But this agency business is a tough, tough, shark-infested water industry. It's like that uh, show guy, Shark Tank. A lot of guys like Mr. Wonderful. A lot of, a lot of Mr. Wonderfuls in that industry. But Rick, um, go ahead. Um, why did he change agents? I, I got a pretty good idea, but I'm not going to go. I, I heard a few weeks ago that he was thinking about it, and I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to uh, talk. That's between. But, but, it, but it's a huge. Don't yell. But, Let's yeah, not start I, yelling. I have a good idea. I have but, a good idea, but I'm not going to go public with that. Right, but like you know what everyone else is saying, right? He's like but, he changed agents to get traded. This last guy no, couldn't make no, it happen, no, so he no, hires a no. new guy to make it happen. No, no, I talked to Cooney this week, okay, calm and down. I asked him. Hold calm a down. second. Hold calm a second. Down. Let's just do this I know, calmly. but I asked him. I asked him flat out. I go, did you ever ask for a trade? And he said no. There was a report in Edmonton that uh, Garland asked for uh, a trade in the summer. And, and I asked Cooney, did you ask for a trade in the summer? He said, no. Let me ask you something, uh, uh, Brof. Have you ever heard of a player ask for a trade uh, one game before the regular season opener? Uh, no, but, the, but okay, I'm such a well, bold then, gambit. But maybe yeah. he wasn't very happy. Maybe he wasn't very happy playing on the third line. Maybe he finally yeah. got frustrated with with things. Yeah. Maybe there was a breaking point. I'd never heard of a goalie getting traded or seeking a trade after not starting a, a, a hockey game at BC Place. But you know what? It happened once. Okay, so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you how I think this went down. He changes agents and the new agent calls the Canucks and it says, hey guys, I'm the new agent. Canucks said, look, we're, we're trying to get rid of his contract in a, in a tough cap world. And he said, hey, if you guys are trying to get rid of him, can I help? Right. No different than Brock Besser and, and Ben Hankinson last year. Right, guys? No different. I, I've, been, I've been told by a very important person in this that he did not ask for a trade. It was simply, if you guys really do want to move him, can I help with the process? That's, that's the way it was told to me. So I, I don't think it, it was a trade quest, uh, Brock, and I'm going to stick to my guns on that. Okay. Um, what could the Canucks, if they were willing to retain, yep. what would a trade look like? What comes back? Yeah, that's a, a good question. Yeah, but uh, but it, they've been trying to move him for a year and a half. We know this, and they can't do it because they weren't willing to retain. They were willing to retain a small number on Besser, but it wasn't good enough to get it done. But if they can get to one five or a little bit higher, I think teams will be excited. I think teams will be excited if the Canucks retain uh, and get him in the three million range, uh, because what I was told is teams think Garland's a three million dollar player. He's just simply not four nine. But if if you're so desperate to get rid of them, uh, uh, Brof, why not just retain and, and make the move? Like, well, well, one of the reasons might be is that the Canucks might need them. Like, how many wingers on the Canucks are better than Garland? How many? Yeah. Two or three? Yeah. He's but on their top line right yeah, now. I, uh, Oh, only because of uh, 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 only because of injuries. I mean, I mean, Mikheyev comes back. I mean, but I, I, I will say this: uh, he's also in in Garland's defense. He he's been in Vancouver, and the moment he got here, they, they've been trying to trade him. You know, they, they they've been trying to since the new regime got here, they've been trying to trade him. It's look at the look at the Canucks cap situation. They have zero dollars available on the cap. There's a reason why they're trying to do this, and it's simple. It's to get some sort of cap relief. But they might have. They might be painful. They might have to retain or put a sweetener in. That's the bottom line. Um, Brock Besser, four goals in his first game. Oh. Um, what was the story for you there besides the four goals? What, what was your takeaway from that? Had a great summer. His off ice training has him looking leaner and faster. Uh, I can't find anyone in this city who's not happy for him. E- even the Canucks organization, like they've got to be super happy. Thirteen months ago, think about this, guys. His agent was given permission to seek a trade. Today, he's the toast of the town. It, what really hit me the other night was his smile. In he was having so much fun against the Oilers, and we have not seen that since his rookie year. And and good for him. You know, when I talked to his agent Ben Hankinson last year, when he was given permission um, to seek a trade, I mean, at that time, guys, it, I, I thought it was going to happen. I thought Ben's going to get in there, uh, but it was a tough contract to move, and he's had a lot of ups and downs in Vancouver. 
but he's never uh, squawked or whined or c- complained or bitched about always having his name. I know it bothers players when they hear their names in Vancouver and trade rumors mm-hmm. because they got families. And, you know, it, it's a constant grind at the trade deadline. You know, the, the Besser, Garland, Myers, all these guys, they, they hear their names and it, 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 and how does it not bother them? They're human beings, you know. So I'm just really happy for this guy. I just think that he, he comes in, he plays, he's a no-nonsense type guy. And, um, you know, I, 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 he, he did what he had to do in the offseason. He, he got better. He changed up his training. And uh, he looks leaner and faster, guys. Four goals on eight shots the other night. And uh, everyone's hoping that he hits 30. Did you laugh when you heard Frege talking about uh, Pedersen and how the Canucks should offer him $11 billion in a contract? I was like, I don't well, think I that they're going to hey. get under the cap there. Well, let me let me throw this at you guys. If uh, uh, One thing I wonder about, if Pedersen's at like 50 points in 40 games, do the Canucks get aggressive and, and buck up and send the Brinks truck his way or wait till after the season? Because they just need a little indication that the 100-point uh, season wasn't just a one-off. I four points in the opener the other day. I don't think it. Uh, can I say this about Pedersen? Because you know it's going to get crazy uh, in this city with his contract and all the stories. Canucks fans should really look at Winnipeg and how the Jets just signed Shifley and Hellebeck. Everybody in the world thought they were gone as UFAs. Instead, they signed long-term. Their general manager did it quietly, the way it's supposed to be done, but it got done, and it got done quietly. This is what I can tell you about Pedersen. The lines of communication remain open with the Canucks and his agents, J.P. Barry and Paperson. They've always been open. The goal is to extend them. It always has been. 100%. That The feeling I get from the Canucks is we got two years to do this. There's a lot of time. It is so early in the process to know which way this is going to go. The only way it goes sideways for me is if the Canucks have a tough year and he decides, you know what, I don't want to stick around. That's the only way it goes sideways. But everything I've heard from both sides is they want to get it done. There's no animosity. There's nothing there that stipulates that this guy's not going to get this done as of now. Do you know what Rick Tockett's contract situation is? I thought after game one, he might get a contract extension. Well, hey, hold it a second. Tockett, uh, never mind Tockett. Uh, I, uh, you know, I, I'm wondering what the president's Ooh, uh, contract situation looks like as mm-hmm. well. Because, you know, does Jim Rutherford, um, does he want to sign an extension and finish what he started? Does he want to be here long term and finish what he started? Um, you know, uh, I, I think uh, that one, Tockett, I, I think there's some contracts coming up in management that are going to be very interesting as well. Can I say this about Tockett? Super impressed uh, the way he had the team prepared and focused. Oh, look at Taylor's ripping me. Now he's, he's sitting next to me. Just let me do this. Let me do this. Look at the buildup to the regular season opener, guys. Not a great pre- preseason. Injuries galore. Garland's story. Pedersen's story. He still had the team prepared and focused against the Oilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty, and then Quinn Hughes comes out, raves about the game plan and the preparation. You know what? A lot of bad habits for uh, Canucks have been so bad. There's so many bad habits. Tockett is eliminating those step by step. He's doing a good job. And he's a teacher. His staff is teaching. Players are buying in. And when the players buy in, good things happen. All right, Rick. Thanks for uh, thanks so much. Always fun chatting with you. Always fun yelling with you. Hope you have a great weekend, buddy. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it up next week in the yellow yellow meter. Have a yellow meter for me. Yellow, no, not yellow. A yell meter. Yeah, Have so a yell meter for yeah, me. So close. Yellow, yellometer. Yellometer. Yeah. A yellometer. Have a yellometer for me, and then and then gauge it week by week. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Right. See, See you, buddy. He was so close. There's it's Rick the, there's the, there's the slam. The show. Yeah. I, I love how he's like, we're saying goodbye. He's like, I gotta go. Yeah. And then slams his rotary yep. phone. That's how this works. I say goodbye. And then you say goodbye. I didn't even think about that. He has a, a physical landline. I think it's so he can slam it down every yeah. time. He's like, got the one where he holds the thing up to the ear with one hand, and he has the thing up to his mouth with the other hand. Do that again? Too bad there's no dog camera right now, because you got one hell of a pose that, going Yeah, on that was a visual. Yeah. Um, Halford, you you, you got to leave a little bit early, so you're going to miss this next segment. Yeah, um, too bad. Uh, so it'll just be me and the dogs. So um, I'm going to need some Ask Us Anythings. I need them from the listeners. Dogs aren't helping. Uh, the dogs n- rarely help. 
Uh, so text in your Ask Us Anythings or What We Learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Lander on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Lander Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Now, have you already checked out or do you have a What We Learned? Or Brother, you, you just- could ask that at 6 o'clock in the morning and I would right. have said yes. Did um, you check out when Dolly started yelling and you're like, I can't do this anymore? Yeah, I was just like, what's a yellow meter? That's yeah. all I really took from that. Mm-hmm. But anyway... Um, I, I've got to ask us anything I wanted to do. Unfortunately, I usually when we do these, I have a good answer at the ready, but I didn't. But I think it's an interesting question. I'm hoping that one of you can go back into your childhood, your youths, and maybe come up with a good answer. Colin and Tawasson is planning his son's 12-year-old birthday party. Then he asked, what's the best birthday party, kids version, that you've ever been to? Is there one that stands out from when you were a kid, like someone had a kick-ass birthday? Mm. The only ones that stood out from when I was a little kid were the ones that were at McDonald's, and there was a caboose, yeah. and it was a, there, was about, there was two of them, it's Burnaby adjacent. One of them was at the Lougheed and Boundary, yeah. and the other one was at the Cassiar Connector. I remember my my. Buddy. Those were high level birthdays. Oh, Chuck E. Cheese for me, man. That was like the mecca of a Chuck E. Cheese birthday was birthdays. pretty elite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if your sure. if your buddy was like, my dad's taking us all to Chuck E. Cheese, we'd be like. Your dad is a god. Yeah, yeah. high-level birthday, yeah. for sure. Yeah, Sorry, my, my dad is recently divorced, and he is <laughs> looking to make up for it. Yeah. <laughs> He's spending a lot of money on this birthday. Why do you keep calling him weekend dad? Um, okay. My, my my only, my my biggest memory from uh, my birthday parties was my buddy Todd throwing up at the table. And that's not really a party. That's just a party trick at that point. Was yeah, it like yeah. a consistent year-to-year thing, or did it just happen once? Yeah, it just happened once. Oh, okay. And my dad was like, I don't like that Todd guy. <laughs> he throws up too much. Um, you know what? Chuck E. Cheese is a really good pull. Because I do remember that sort of being like the upper tier. Is that a thing of, anymore? I, I think it's, there's one in Richmond. It's been, Okay, so it got rebranded. Uh, there's one from, in Langley. So the, yeah, that's what it is. one in Langley. Speaking of puking, it got rebranded from Chuck E. Cheese mm-hmm. to Jolly Genies. And the guys I went to high school with all work there. Oh, okay. and so there was still not now. Genies. So there was an well. That's the best part of this is there was like an entry level when you got a job there, and your first job was you are the jolly genie. You have to wear the costume, and this was back when we were in like grade twelve. So all of, like our our weekends were basically like football game on Friday, and mm-hmm. then drink your face off, and then these guys would go to work at Jolly Genies the next day, and they're like... And you'd it, go there and mock them? It was a rite of passage. How many that, times do you think they went somewhere and just had a cry? No, it was they would... In the, in the Jolly Genie costume? There was a rite of passage to puke in the helmet. Why is the I'm Jolly the Genie sobbing? You would, you would be like Demko. You'd puke in the helmet because you'd be hung over, oh my sweating, God. like a you know, complete bag of sweat. Did, and, should yeah. those places even be legal with all like the stomach flu that must emanate from those places? Oh yeah, like I think any tre- kids' place though. Yeah, no, but do you remember when they used to do the Jolly uh, Genies, known as Trenchfoot Alley, as we like to call it? Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's pretty revolting, it's right? Bad. It's yeah. gross. They're not the most sanitary places on earth. When one of your job descriptions is to hose out the ball pit, you know you're not in like the cleanest place. It's not a hospital at that point, right? There must like, be some cool places like virtual reality. Kind of there must be cool places for like virtual reality parties escape now. Escape rooms are big too. Virtual- See, escape rooms would drive me crazy. I think that's the point of the escape room. I know. I always just go to a hockey game for my birthday. I have a late November birthday. What else is there to oh, do? Oh, go to a Canucks game? Why, yeah, why don't you do we, 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 a money bunch for of 12-year-olds? No. Yeah. Okay, so you're growing up in Hamilton. What would you go to a Bulldogs, Bulldogs game? game? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's not bad. That's like the would staple you, birthday. Would you go throw rocks at the old factory? Is that- <laughs> <laughs> See if you can break some windows? The old DeFasco mill. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Kids show up your birthday, give them a bag of rocks. You, poke, like, around hey, you, the, run. you poke around the yeah. smelter. Some yeah. of those windows aren't broken yet. <laughs> it's like when, Bar- when Bart gets the factory, that yeah, was like yeah. British yeah. Laddie's childhood. Yeah. <laughs> he was like Millhouse. He was the night watchman. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.